Section 11 of Poems of American History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rebecca. Chapter 5, Part 2. The British soldiers, thinking the war virtually ended, had grown careless and Howe and Cornwallis had returned to New York to celebrate Christmas. It was at this juncture that Washington decided to attack. More than ten hours were consumed in getting across the river, which was blocked with ice. At daybreak on the 26th, Washington entered Trenton and surprised the enemy across the Delaware. The winter night is cold and drear along the river's sullen flow. The cruel frost is camping here. The air has living blades of snow. Look, pushing from the icy strand, with ensigns freezing in the air. There sails a small but mighty band across the dangerous Delaware. Oh, wherefore, soldiers, would you fight the bayonets of a winter storm? In truth, it were a better night for blazing fire and blankets warm. We seek to trap a foreign foe who fill themselves with stolen fare. We carry freedom as we go across the storm-swept Delaware. The night is full of lusty cheer with the Hessians' merry camp, and faint and fainter on the ear doth fall the heedless sentry's tramp. O oh, hirelings, this new nation's rage is something tis not well to dare. You are not fitted to engage these men from o'er the Delaware. A rush, a shout, a clarion call, salute the early morning's gray. Now roused invaders, yield or fall, the refuge land has won the day. Soon shall the glorious news be hurled, wherever men have wrongs to bear. For freedom's torch illumes the world, and God has crossed the Delaware. Will Carleton the surprise was complete. Eighteen of the enemy were killed and over a thousand made prisoners, while the American loss was only four. The remainder of the enemy retreated in disorder to Princeton, leaving their sick and wounded, and all their heavy arms and baggage behind them. The Battle of Trenton On Christmas Day in 76, our ragged troops with bayonets fixed, for Trenton marched away. The Delaware Sea, the boats below, the light obscured by hail and snow, but no signs of dismay. Our object was the Hessian band that dared invade fair freedom's land, and quarter in that place, great Washington he led us on, whose streaming flag in storm or sun had never known disgrace. In silent march, we passed the night, each soldier panting for the fight. Though quite benumbed with frost, green on the left at six began. The right was led by Sullivan, who ne'er a moment lost. Their pickets stormed, the alarm was spread, that rebels risen from the dead were marching into town. Some scampered here, some scampered there, and for action did prepare but soon their arms laid down. 
twelve hundred servile miscreants, with all their colors, guns, and tents, were trophies of the day, the frolic oar, the bright canteen, in center, front, and rear was seen, driving fatigue away. Now, brothers of the patriot bands, let's sing deliverance from the hands of arbitrary sway, and as our life is but a span, let's touch the tankard while we can, in memory of that day. At Princeton, Cornwallis joined them, and on January 2nd, 1777, advanced against Trenton at the head of 8,000 men. By the time he reached there, Washington had withdrawn his whole force beyond a little stream called the Assunpink, where he repelled two British assaults. That night, he marched toward Princeton, rooted a British detachment of 2,000, and took up a strong position on the heights at Morristown. Trenton and Princeton, December 26, 1776 through January 3, 1777. On December the 6th and the 20th day, our troops attacked the Hessians and showed them gallant play. Our roaring cannon taught them our valor for to know. We fought like brave Americans. Our roaring cannon taught them our valor for to know. We fought like brave Americans against a haughty foe. The chiefs were killed or taken. The rest were put to flight. And some arrived at Princeton, half fainting with affright. The 3rd of January, the morning being clear, our troops attacked the regulars. At Princeton, we do hear. About a mile from Princeton, the battle is begun, and many a haughty Briton fell before the fight was done. And what our gallant troops have done, we'll let the British know. We fought like brave Americans against a haughty foe. The British struck with terror and frightened ran away. They ran across the country like men in deep dismay. Crying to everyone they met, Oh, hide us, hide us, do! The rebels will devour us, so hotly they pursue. Oh, base, ungenerous Britons, to call us by that name. We're fighting for our liberty, our just and lawful claim. We trust in heaven's protection, nor fear to win the day. When time shall come, we'll crown our deeds with many a loud huzza. Our foes are led to Brunswick, where they are close confined. Our men, they are unanimous, in freedom's cause combined. Success to General Washington and Gates and Putnam, too, both officers and privates who liberty pursue. Assen Pink and Princeton, January 3rd, 1777. Glorious the day when in arms at Assen Pink, and after at Princeton the Briton we met. Few in both armies, 
they'd skirmishes call them. Now hundreds of thousands in battle are set. But for the numbers engaged, let me tell you, smart brushes they were, and two battles that told. There twas I first drew a bead on a foeman, I a mere stripling, not twenty years old. Tell it? Well, friends, that is just my intention. There's nothing a veteran hates and abhors, more than a chance lost to tell his adventures, or give you his story of battles and wars. Nor is it wonder old men are loquacious, and talk if you listen from sun unto sun. Youth has the power to be up and be doing, while age can but tell of the deeds it has done. Ranged for a mile on the banks of Assenpink, there southward of Trenton, one morning we lay, when with his red coats all marshaled to meet us, Cornwallis came fiercely at close of the day, driving some scouts who had gone out with Longstreet, from where they were crossing at Shabakunk Run, trumpets loud blaring, drums beating, flags flying, three hours by the clock before setting of sun. Two ways were left them by which to assail us, and neither was perfectly to their desire. One was the bridge we controlled by our cannon, the other the ford that was under our fire. Death upon one side and dismal on the other, said Sambo our cook as he gazed on our foes. Cheering and dauntless, they marched to the battle, and doubtful of choice, both the dangers they chose. Down at the ford it was said that the water was reddened with blood from the soldiers who fell. As for the bridge, when they tried it, their forces were beaten with terrible slaughter as well. Grape shot swept causeway and pattered on water and riddled their columns that broke and gave way. Thrice they charged boldly and thrice they retreated. Then darkness came down and so ended the fray. How did I get there? I came from our corn mill at noon of the day when the battle begun, bringing in flour to the troops under Proctor. Twas not very long ere that errand was done. Up to that time I had never enlisted, though Jacob, my brother, had entered with Wayne. But the fight stirred me. I sent back the horses and made up my mind with the rest to remain. We camped on our side, the south, of Assenpink, while they bivouacked for their night upon theirs, both posting sentries and building up watchfires, with those on both sides talking over affairs. Washington's caught in a trap, said Cornwallis, and smiled with a smile that was joyous and grim. Fox! But I have him! The Earl had mistaken. The fox, by the coming of daylight, had him. Early that night, when the leaders held council, both St. Clair and Reed said our action was clear. Useless to strike at the van of our foemen. His force was too strong. We must fall on his rear. Washington thought so, and bade us replenish. Our watch fires till nearly the dawn of the day setting some more to make faint of entretching, while swiftly in darkness the rest moved away. 
Marching by Sandtown and Quaker Bridge Crossing, we passed Stony Creek a full hour before dawn, leaving there Mercer with one scant battalion, our foes to amuse should they find we were gone. Then the main force pushed its way into Princeton, all ready to strike those who dreamed of no blow, only a chance that we lost not our labor, and slipped through our fingers unknowing the foe. Mahood's brigade, never feeling its danger, had started for Trenton at dawn of the day, crossed Stony Creek after we had gone over, when Mercer's weak force they beheld on its way. Turning contemptuously back to attack it, they drove it with ease in disorder ahead. Firelocks alone were no match for their cannon. A fight, and then flight, and brave Mercer lay dead. Murdered, some said, while imploring for quarter. A dastardly deed, if the thing had been true. Cruel are foes, but in that thing we wrong them, and let us in all give the demon his due. So long as his right arm his saber would wield, stretching his enemies bleeding around him, and then overpowered, fell prone on the field. Hearing the firing, we turned and we met them, our cannon replying to theirs with a will, fiercely with grape and with canister swept them, and chased them in wrath from the brow of the hill. Racing and chasing it was into Princeton, where seeking the Lord to be taught in that hall. Redcoats by scores entered college, but stayed not. We rudely expelled them with powder and ball. Only a skirmish you see, though a sharp one, it did not last over the fourth of an hour. But twas a battle that did us this service. No more from that day had we fear over their power. Trenton revived us, Assenpink encouraged, but Princeton gave hope that we held to the last. Flood tide had come on the black, sullen water, and ebb tide forever and ever had passed. Yes, twas the turn of the tide in our favor, a turn of the tide to a haven that bore, had Lord Cornwallis crossed over Assenpink. That day we repelled him, our fighting were o'er, had he o'ertaken us with smote mawhood, all torn as we were, it seems certain to me, I would not chatter to you about battles, and you and your children would not have been free. Thomas Dunn English Thus, in a brief campaign of three weeks, Washington had rallied the fragments of a defeated and broken army, fought two successful battles, taken nearly 2,000 prisoners, and recovered the state of New Jersey. 76. What heroes from the woodland sprung, when through the fresh awakened land, the thrilling cry of freedom rung, and to the work of warfare strung, the yeoman's iron hand. Hills flung the cry to hills around, and ocean mart replied to mart, and streams whose springs were yet unfound peeled far away the startling sound into the forest's heart. Then marched the brave from rocky steep, from mountain rivers swift and cold, the borders of the stormy deep, 
the veils were gathered water sleep, sent up the strong and bold. As if the very earth again grew quick with God's creating breath, and from the sods of grove and glen rose ranks of lion-hearted men to the battle of death. The wife whose first babe smiled that day, the fair fond bride of yester eve, and aged sire and matron grey, saw the loved warriors haste away, and deemed it sin to grieve. Already had the strife begun, already blood on Concord's plain, along the springing grass had run, and blood had flowed at Lexington, like brooks of April rain. That death stain on the vernal sward, hallow to freedom all the shore, in fragments fell the yoke abhorred, the footstep of a foreign lord, profaned the soil no more. William Cullen Bryant The question of a national flag, which had been under consideration for a long time, was now finally settled. There is a tradition that in June 1776, General Washington and a committee of Congress had called upon Mrs. John Ross of Philadelphia and requested her to make a flag after a design which Washington furnished, which she did, producing the first stars and stripes. Betsy's Battle Flag From dusk till dawn the livelong night she kept the tallow dips alight and fast her nimble fingers flew to sew the stars upon the blue with weary eyes and aching head she stitched the stripes of white and red and when the day came up the stair complete across a carven chair hung betsy's battle flag like shadows in the evening gray the continentals filed away with broken boots and ragged coats but hoarse defiance in their throats they bore the marks of want and cold, and some were lame and some were old, and some with wounds untended bled. But floating bravely overhead was Betsy's battle flag. When fell the battle's leaden rain, the soldier hushed his moans of pain and raised his dying head to see King George's troopers turn and flee. Their charging column reeled and broke and vanished in the rolling smoke before the glory of its stars the snowy stripes and scarlet bars of betsy's battle flag the simple stone of betsy ross is covered now with mold and moss but still her deathless banner flies and keeps the color of the skies a nation thrills a nation bleeds a nation follows where it leads and every man is proud to yield his life upon a crimson field for Betsy's battle flag. Mina Irving It was not, however, until Saturday, June 14, 1777, that a flag was formally adopted by Congress. On that day, Congress resolved that the flag of the 13 United States be thirteen stripes alternate red and white, that the Union be thirteen stars, white in a blue field, representing a new constellation, 
save for the addition of a star for each new state admitted to the Union. This is the flag of the United States today. The American Flag When freedom from her mountain height unfurled her standard to the air, she tore the azure robe of night and set the stars of glory there. She mingled with its glorious dyes the milky baldric of the skies and stripped its pure celestial white with streakings of the morning light. Then from his mansion in the sun she called her eagle-bearer down and gave into his mighty hand the symbol of her chosen land. Majestic monarch of the cloud, who rearst aloft thy regal form, to hear the tempest trumpings loud, and see the lightning lances driven, when strive the warriors of the storm, and rolls the thunder drum of heaven. Child of the sun, to thee tis given, to guard the banner of the free, to hover in the sulphur smoke, to ward away the battle stroke, and bid its blendings shine afar, like rainbows on the cloud of war, the harbingers of victory. Flag of the brave, thy folds shall fly, the sign of hope and triumph high, when speaks the signal trumpet tone, and the long line comes gleaming on, ere yet the lifeblood warm and wet has dimmed the glistening bayonet, each soldier eye shall brightly turn to where thy skyborn glories burn, and as his springing steps advance, catch war and vengeance from the glance, and when the cannon mouthings loud, heave in wild wreaths the battle shroud, and gory sabres rise and fall, like shoots of flame on midnight's pall, then shall thy meteor glances glow, and cowering foes shall sink beneath, each gallant arm that strikes below, that lovely messenger of death. Flag of the seas, on ocean wave, thy stars shall glitter o'er the brave, when death careering on the gale sweeps darkly round the bellied sail, and frighted waves rush wildly back before the broadside's reeling rack. Each dying wanderer of the sea shall look at once to heaven and thee, and smile to thee thy splendors fly, in triumph o'er his closing eye. Flag of the free heart's hope and home, by angel hands to valor given, the stars have lit the welkin dome, and all thy hues were born in heaven, forever float that standard sheet, where breathes the foe but falls before us, with freedom's soil beneath our feet, and freedom's banner streaming o'er us? Joseph Rodman Drake End of section 11 Recording by Rebecca